Please turn with me in the word of God to the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah's prophecy and to chapter 49. We read together verses 1 to 13 of the chapter. Isaiah 49 and we read from verse 1 through to verse 13. We hear the word of God together. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have laboured in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity, yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honoured in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Thus says the Lord In a time of favour I have answered you, in a day of salvation I have helped you, I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, Come out, to those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways, and all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Syene. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. Amen. Well, please turn with me again to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. This morning we look together at verses 1 to 4 of this chapter. And this evening we want to look, we're going to be considering verses 5 to 10. But we'll read the whole chapter. It's only a short chapter. Uh, we'll read the whole chapter again together. First John chapter 1. Let us hear the word of God. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, 
which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Amen. The Apostle John opens his letter, as we saw this morning, by asserting that one of the main aims of the Christian message is that we may enter into fellowship. That we might enter into fellowship which is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And such fellowship with God is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. Christianity at its core is not the observance of rituals or rules or religion. Rather, it is a walk of personal fellowship with the living God. John, though, makes it clear that this relationship is not a matter of being chummy with God. Rather, he asserts for us that God is absolutely holy. And to have genuine fellowship with the holy God, we must walk in the light as he himself is in the light. And it's easy to claim to have fellowship with him, but we can be mistaken or deceived. And that's what the false teachers in John's day were doing. They were claiming to have fellowship with God, but their claims were false. You see, there was in John's day, as there is today, as there has been throughout the age of the church, the peril of profession, the danger of claiming to know God, but of being deceived. And so John's message is this in these verses 5 to 10. To have fellowship with the holy God, we must, walk, must not walk in the darkness, but rather walk in the light. And John begins, doesn't he, with that wonderful statement in verse 5, that God is light. And he develops the, the implications of that message as it relates to holy living and holy fellowship with this holy God in the fall, uh, right through to verse 2 of chapter 2. And he does this against the, the claims and the consequences of the errors of the false teachers. They were saying, 
certain things and John is refuting them. That's why John writes as he does and we'll, we'll unpack this a little bit more. But firstly, if we want to have fellowship with God, the first thing we must do is that we must remember that God is holy. Remember that God is holy. And that's what John states in verse 5, isn't it? This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Just like he began his letter, John is not sharing with us his speculations on what God may be like. He isn't throwing out an idea and suggesting that his readers discuss what they think about it. No, rather, John says, we heard this straight from Jesus and we announce it to you. It isn't a point of discussion. It's an authoritative pronouncement from Jesus through the apostles to John's hearers and to us. That to have fellowship with God... We must start at the point of realizing that God is holy. You see, John doesn't begin with the felt needs of his hearers. He doesn't begin or discuss where they might be hurting or bring up how this message will help them have a happy family life or a successful personal life. Rather, John begins with God. And he begin, and he brings us face to face, not with God's love, but with his holiness. Yes, he'll go on to talk about God's love and, and the, the beauty of God's love. And probably some of the most well-known words from John, from 1 John are how great is the love that God has lavished on us that we might be called children of God. But what is it? What is it he already said? That God is holy. And that makes his love even greater, doesn't it? He is holy. See, you might expect that after verse 3 of of chapter 1, talking about the fellowship that we can have with God, you might expect that John would say, well, to have fellowship with God, you, you need to know that he loves you very much. But no, rather bluntly, John says, God is light. And then so that we don't, misunderstand he he gives us that the same thing in a, in a negative form in him there is no darkness at all he is pure light there is no darkness in him martin lloyd jones in a little book called fellowship with god makes this point that when we are thinking about holiness Uh, Or when we're thinking about fellowship with God, we must start with God. Because the main problem that we have, or he argues that our main problem that we have is that we're focused on ourselves. We are often too self-centered. And so we come to the Christian faith looking for what it can give us. I'm not happy. Can God make me happy? I'm looking for something that I don't have. Can God give it to me? How can Christianity help me with my problems and my needs? How can God help me? But to approach the Christian faith in that manner is to cater to ourselves. 
And Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, the first answer of the gospel can always in effect be put in this way, forget yourself and contemplate God. And he goes on to say this, the way to be delivered from self-centeredness is to stand in the presence of God. So John says, first to have fellowship with God, we must begin with God. We must begin with him as he speaks of himself, that he is holy. That he is true and right and pure. That God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. This light, it points to God's glory. It points to his unapproachable and infinite and unchangeable and omnipresent characteristics. But yet here as well, when we see that there is no darkness at all, we see that there is no sin within him. And it's a contrast to the world, isn't it? John writes in his gospel in chapter 3 and verse 19, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. Darkness, that's the world. That's sin. And God has no darkness in him. And so for, to have fellowship with God, we must Begin with God's holiness. We must begin acknowledging who he is and what he has done for us. We must recognize that, that God is holy. Because if we don't recognize God, God's holiness, we will never understand God's plan of salvation through the cross. If God, if God is only love, then the cross is meaningless. It's unnecessary. Or if we start with, but if we start with God's holiness, it exposes all false claims of fellowship with God. True fellowship is with the holy God. But then also when we start and have a true understanding of God's holiness, it saves us, one writer says, from the danger of blaming God in times of trouble. It takes us into the mindset instead of Psalm 27. As David was faced with trial and difficulty, he didn't blame God. Rather, he said, the Lord is my salvation. He is my light. Whom will I fear? But many times people are prone to ask, and perhaps I, I know I've been guilty of it myself. You can ask, why, God, are you allowing this to happen? I don't deserve this. Why are you letting this happen to me? But when we start with God's absolute holiness, we see that we deserve nothing but his wrath. We deserve nothing but punishment for our sin. For we are not holy. There is darkness in us because of sin. And so we must recognize his holiness. But when we come to understand God's holiness... We truly know that he is the only way to true joy. It's easy to have a false peace if you have a user-friendly God. One who you've molded and shaped to fit your own needs and desires. But true peace and true joy come from being truly reconciled 
to God through the blood of his son. And so to have fellowship with God, friends, we must recognize that God is absolutely holy. Remember that. But then secondly, to have fellowship with God, we're told in in verse 6 and verse 8 and verse 10, we must not walk in darkness. We must not walk in darkness. John is writing to Christians. Let's remember that. John is writing to the church. He's writing to believers. And he's, he's saying, to, he's speaking to them. He's not saying that this is a path you can follow to become a Christian. These aren't works you can do to come into God's presence. Where do we have to begin? We have to remember that God is holy and we come and approach him only through Jesus and through the cross of Christ. But when we're in that relationship with God, when we have, when we're brought into eternal life, when we're given new life, how are we to live? Well, he says we must not walk in darkness. And that's what John writes about in verse 6, in verse 8, and in verse 10. John here is in those verses is writing against or speaking against what the false teachers have been saying. That's, he introduces it, if we say. And that's what, this is what the false teachers have been teaching. They've been saying these things. But we have fellowship with him. But we're walking in darkness. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have not sinned. We make him a liar. This is what the, 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 the false teachers are saying. And we're leading the people of God astray. And what were they saying? Well they were claiming weren't they in verse 6. We have fellowship with God. But John says well look at their lives. Their lives are not backing up their claim. They're actually walking in darkness. They're lying. They're not practicing the truth. You see, the verb to walk, it doesn't just mean getting up and moving about. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that talks about the tone of someone's life, their mannerisms, the, the way they live. And since to walk in the light involves confessing our sins, as verse 9 says, to walk in the darkness, it means ignoring or denying our sins. It is to block out the light Of God's holiness is revealed to us in his word. And to live as the world lives. To walk in darkness is to try and hide from God. Rather than to expose your life to him. Isn't that how Adam and Eve behaved in the garden? When they sinned. What did they do? They tried to hide from God. They tried to to creep into a corner. You can, the, the, the pictures, the, the kids' story Bibles picture it, don't they? They're hiding from God, carrying under a, under a tree, trying to ignore God, stay in the shadows, away from him. That's what the world continues to do, living in darkness, living in shadow, out, outside of the light of God. Is that what you're doing? Are you claiming to have fellowship with God? But yet, you're still walking in darkness. There are parts of your heart, parts of your life that have not been given over to God. You still hold on to them. You think you can keep them hidden. But friends, God knows all. He knows every corner of our heart. He knows every corner 
of your life. So do not say that you have no sin. And that's the the second thing, isn't it? In verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. These false teachers, they may have been claiming that they had achieved a state of sinless perfection. And John says, you're only deceiving yourself. And that's what many in the world would claim, isn't it? Well, I'm not that bad. I'm not too bad. And, but what is it they're doing? Well, they're comparing themselves to, to other people. They're comparing themselves to, the, to their neighbor or to the convicted uh, the, the one who's been convicted and placed in jail. Or I, I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I've been faithful. I've been true. I give to the poor. I'm, I'm basically a, a decent, upright person. I haven't sinned. Maybe these false teachers are going beyond that a little bit. But John says they're deceiving themselves. And the world today is still deceiving itself. Saying that it's all right. To walk the way they're walking. To walk further and further away from the word of God and the ways of God. John says you're only deceiving yourself. You're blind. You will fall into the pit. That's what the false teachers were teaching. Because they'd forgotten who the holy and true and living God is. And the truth of God was not really in their hearts. If they had known the truth, if they had read the truth of God's word, they would have seen that they are sinners far, far from God, far from his glory. But then the third claim of the, of the false teachers is in verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. John's almost taking it to the next step. You can almost see a downward spiral here, can't you? If we, say, or if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have not sinned at all, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. These false teachers are saying, well, actually I've never sinned. Look at my life in the past. I haven't sinned in the past. I'm not sinning now. I'll not sin in the future. Now the false teaching that they were bringing about was, or were trying to bring into the church was, was faith by enlightenment or faith by knowledge or by attaining certain levels of understanding. And perhaps they were claiming that they had reached such a level of enlightenment and knowledge and understanding that, that, they, were, that they were pure, that they were clean, that, that they were basically good at the core. They, they weren't evil sinners. John writes to the church and he says, That man walking in darkness, deceiving himself, and is walking in darkness and deceiving himself, and anyone who would follow him, worse, he's calling God a liar. And God's word is not in him. And so think about your own life. Yes, okay, you claim to have fellowship with God. But if as a way of life you're not allowing God's word to confront your soul and your heart. 
If you're not allowing God's word to confront your sinful thoughts and attitudes and motives and words and deeds. Well are you walking in light or are you walking in darkness? If you dodge your sin by blaming others or making up excuses for why you sin. Are you walking in light or are you walking in the darkness? And for John you see to walk in the darkness is not describing a carnal or worldly Christian. He is yes describing an unbeliever. So I'm not trying to put you down. I'm not hammering you here if you are a Christian. Yes, as believers we sin, but we must. We must look at our lives. You must look at your life. You must compare it to God's word. And I truly ask, am I walking truly in the light? Or am I walking in the darkness? Am I walking in the ways of God? Or have I just deceived myself? And am I trying to deceive others? Friends, we must, to have fellowship with God, begin with God. We must remember that he is absolutely holy. And we must ensure that we are not walking in darkness. But then, thirdly, we see that to have fellowship with God, we must walk in the light. We must walk in the light. Now, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 go on to talk about this. I'll not be dealing with those verses this evening. But verses 7 and 9 describe to us what it is like to walk in the light. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Walking in the light, friends, is not a description of a class of spiritual believer who have achieved some sort of perfection or high state of holiness or sanctification. If you are a believer this evening, if you know and love the Lord Jesus, then you are walking in the light. You are walking in the light of Christ. Believers walk in the light. Unbelievers walk in the darkness. And in these two verses, we see three aspects of walking, or what it means to walk in the light. And the first is this, that to walk in the light means to live openly before God. To walk in the light means to live openly before God. To walk in the light is to walk as he himself is in the light, as verse 7 says. This, is, this says the same thing as chapter 2 and verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And that is the, in contrast, isn't it, with the evil person who loves darkness and hates the light. Who, as John says in chapter 3 and verse 20 of his gospel, who does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Now this does not imply that the person walking in the light never sins. But if we are walking in the light, we will come we will come to Jesus and we will have our sins forgiven. We will come 
And we will be cleansed from our sin. That's what verse 7 says. Continually we will have our, our, our sins cleansed. The blood of Jesus is continually cleansing us from all sin. That's the way it's actually written in the original language. It's not just cleanses now. It's an ongoing thing. It's a continuous thing. That we will be continually cleansed from our sin if we are walking in the light. And so to walk in the light does not mean to be sinless. Rather it points to the pattern of our lives. The pattern of your life to live openly before God. To examine your heart before God. To walk in the light is to seek to be as holy as God is holy. And so we are to continually walk in the light openly before God. But then to walk in the light also means confessing our sins. A person walking in the light does not cover up his sin or try to deny it. He doesn't blame others for it or make excuses about it. Rather, as verse 9 says, he confesses it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does it mean to confess our sin? Well it means to agree with God that our sin is sin. It's to recognize what it means to sin, to break God's law. It means to accept responsibility for our sin and to turn away from it. And God's wonderful promise Is that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now forgiveness and cleansing, we might say, are are somewhat overlapping. But forgiveness relates really to the, the, the guilt of our sin being pardoned. Whereas cleansing points to the the defilement of sin being removed. And so the forgiven person does not need to fear God's judgment. And the cleansed person is free to draw near to God and worship. Because the defilement of their sin has been taken away. But because of God's holiness. And an increasing knowledge of who he is and what what we are like. The believer who is walking in the light, their life is to be marked by continual confession of sin. Yes, it begins at salvation when the believer acknowledges their sin to God and asks for forgiveness and cleansing, but it's an ongoing thing. The believer experiences ongoing forgiveness and ongoing cleansing as they continue to confess their sin. Verse 7, you see, It indicates that there is, as I've said, an an ongoing sense in which the effects of the cleansing of Jesus' blood are applied to us. That when a believer sins, he does not lose the forgiveness and the cleansing that took place at salvation. But he will not experience it in his walk until he confesses his sin. And so we are to continually confess our sin. We are continually to come and experience the forgiveness and cleansing of God. That is what characterizes those who walk in the light. And again the question arises. Does that speak of your life? Do you come each day and confess your sin to the Lord? 
You say, Lord, I am, I am a sinner. Forgive me. And in, in this day, help me to walk in your ways. Help me to walk in the light as you are in the light. And then in the evening before you, lie your, you lay your head on the pillow, do you say, God, I have failed you this day. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against my fellow believer. I have not done this. I have, I have forgotten your law. I have not trusted in you as I should. God forgive me. Cleanse me. And then the day begins. A new day begins. And we ask God to help us in that day again. To walk in his ways. And when that day draws to a close. We confess our sin. Are we confessing? Our sin, are you confessing your sin as one who is living in the light? But then we also see in this, in this point that to walk in the light results in fellowship with God and with his people. Now we've seen this, we saw this this morning, but let me reiterate it this evening. When we have fellowship with God, we also have fellowship with other believers. Fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers is always linked, as verse 3 makes clear. The false teachers and others within the church had, had left the church. They had withdrawn from the church. Verse 19 of chapter 2 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. Those who were false, those who did not follow the ways of God, they'd withdrawn from this church that John's writing to. But John wants us to know the true fellowship with God always brings us into fellowship with others that know him. It's why you can go to another country and you can have fellowship with God's people in that place. They might, you may never have met them before. You may never have, you, you might be from, they might be of a different denomination. But you know that in that place there are the people of God and you can have fellowship with them. That's one of the, the joys that many of our ministers have of going to the different conferences that we attend, particularly the Banner of Truth conference. We have fellowship with other, with other believers, with other brothers in the Lord. Because we might be from different places, from different churches. But we love the Lord. We have fellowship with God and we have fellowship with one another. If someone can't get along with other believers and continually bickers with other believers, are they truly in fellowship with God? Friends, these words of John, they are confronting words. They are words that probe, that should be probing into your life and into your heart. These are words that call you to examine your relationship with God. Do you have fellowship with him as you should? Is your relationship with God what it should be? Perhaps, as we were thinking about this morning, you're putting that religious veneer on your life. Claiming one thing yet living another. You cannot enter heaven if you're living like that now. Or perhaps 
Whilst you're here this evening, your life has has drifted from what it should be with God. Things look okay on the outside, but you're hiding in the darkness of your sin. You're hiding from God. You're not coming to the light because you don't want your sins exposed. Friend, come to God who is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But also, even if you are in a right relationship with with the Lord, don't rest on your laurels. Don't think that your life is your spiritual life is one hundred percent, or you might be in danger of claiming something that isn't true. But rather, what we are to do is to walk in the light, to continue to walk in the ways of God. And as we enjoy true fellowship with God, as you enjoy the fellowship of other believers, may you continue to walk in the true light. And might you, as you walk in the true light, declare to the world that the true light has come to bring light and life to all men. Amen. Let's stand and pray together. Our Father in heaven, we pray and, th- and ask that you, would, that you would work in us, Lord, that we might be people who truly walk in the light. God, we thank you that the light has come into the world and the darkness has not overcome it, as John wrote in his gospel. And we thank you that if the true light is in our lives, Lord, the darkness will not overcome it. But yet, O God, if we have allowed sin to come in, if we have drifted far or even drifted a little in our relationship with you, Lord God, we pray that you would bring us back to yourself, that we would let the light of the gospel the light of the Lord Jesus confront our sin, knowing, O God, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin when we confess it to you. But Lord God, there may be some here again this evening who who do not truly know Christ, who are living in darkness and are claiming to know you or are claiming that, that they have no need of you. Lord God, I pray that you would work in their lives. Remove the veil Help them to see their need of Christ. But Lord God, as we depart from this place and as we enter out into a world that is full of darkness, Lord, may we be the light that you have called us to be. Might we shine like lights into the darkness of this world. May we be that city set on a hill. Might we be that light in our classroom, in our office, in our home, Lord, wherever you have called us to be, might we be the the lamp that is on the stand giving light to the whole room, that you might be seen, that you might be glorified, and that many might come and walk in the light as you have called us into your light. Our Father, we pray that you would help us to be the light that you have called us to be. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.